So no Seahawks game tonight, but I thought I'd come on and do a little video anyway and just sort of react to, to sort of things that have happened today that impact the Seahawks and talk about the article that I published on Saturday night talking about Pete Carroll's future, which I think is important and something I want to touch on just, just quickly. So the Broncos won a game. They finally won a game. Their losing streak is over. Uh, they had the great fortune of playing the hapless Arizona Cardinals who also lost their quarterback, Colt McCoy, during the game, already down Kyler Murray. And then they lost Colt McCoy and Trace McSorley was was in there. And it was a close game for, for a large part. I've not watched it. Uh, I was covering the Titans-Chargers game for National Radio, so I've not seen uh, how Broncos looked. And I don't know if they looked good, bad, whatever, whether Arizona were just worse on the night. Uh, but, but Denver get the win. And it means on Tankathon, I'm looking at it now, that uh, Seattle is, is no longer in possession of the number two overall pick. Chicago, you know, they seem to play every game close, Chicago, but they've lost seven in a row. It's a bit surprising because with the way that Justin Fields has played, you kind of expect them to at least have won a couple of games over the last few weeks. They've lost seven in a row. They, they seem somewhat competitive. Their strength of schedule is, is honking. It's, it's 0.571. I think it might be the toughest strength of schedule in the whole league. Um, and yet they are competitive and, and yet they are currently slated to pick number two overall. Houston are picking first overall. That's going to happen now. Um, they've had a couple of opportunities to cause an upset, and including today against the Chiefs, but they've lost nine in a row. So Houston are number one, Chicago number two, and then the Seahawks, courtesy of the Broncos, pick number three. But the, the way the Cardinals are playing and with the quarterback injury situation that they've got, it wouldn't surprise me if if Arizona ended up being a top three team in terms of the draft and, and if Seattle's pick ends up being behind them in the end, which wouldn't be good news because they are fully committed to Kyler Murray. Whether they want to move on from him or not, they can't really because of the contract. So, you know, they if you are minded to hope that the Seahawks go for a defensive player early in the draft, you better hope that the Seahawks are ahead of, of Arizona. What is going to determine that? Because currently the teams have the same record is strength of schedule. Uh, the Broncos' strength of schedule, as you can see, is 0.485, and Arizona's is 0 0.521. So there's a decent chance that that's not going to change too much. So as long as the Broncos have the same kind of record as the Cardinals, then it shouldn't be too much of a problem. What the problem is, is that Denver play the LA Rams next week. Yes, they've got to play the Chiefs again as well, but I, I don't really know. I don't I don't really know what to expect from the Broncos against the Rams. Uh, they finished with the Chargers. That that should be a really important game for the Chargers on the final weekend of the season to get into the playoffs. So you would expect that the Chargers are possibly going to win that. You kind of expect that on uh, New Year's Day that the Chiefs would beat the Broncos. So it really kind of comes down to that Christmas Day game against the Rams. Now, Baker Mayfield, what he did last week, you know, if he's pumped up, I think it's really important if you want if you are, well, as we all are, hoping that Denver are going to lose out for the rest of the way and, and, and guarantee a top three pick here, then you've got to hope, I think, that Baker Mayfield does something against uh, against the Packers on Monday Night Football and can get a bit of momentum going here and can maybe feel like his career's on the line and he's got to show something um, in that game against Denver and that, that will give the Silks the best opportunity to end up with a top three pick. But, you know, we'll see what happens in it. Again, as you kind of look at the draft, I've thought about doing a second mock draft recently, but I kind of look at it and I think, you know, I'm not really that motivated to do it because it just seems like there's too much of a mystery at the top of the board right now. You know, the, 
Bryce Young playing very well. You know, you read most mock drafts now, they put Bryce Young at number one, but the size factor in there still makes me want to think, look, it's more interesting to do a mock where you represent him lasting a bit longer because of the size rather than just doing what everybody else does and putting him at number one. Could I see him going number one? Yeah. Could I see him going number 10 or 15 because of his size? Yeah, I can. I mean, I think that's that's the kind of range we're talking about here. There's no guarantee that he's going to be first overall. I could definitely see Will Levis going there because of the upside and the potential. I've just watched Justin Herbert lead a touchdown, uh, sorry, a touchdown drive, a field goal drive at the end to win a game. And if people think that Will Levis can do what Justin Herbert and, and Josh Allen have done because of his physical upside, then then he could be the number one overall pick. I could still can imagine Anthony Richardson getting up there as this process goes along because he's so physically brilliant. I can still see CJ Stroud being in contention to go first overall, but like putting a quarterback with Houston at number one is quite difficult to do. And then you sort of think, okay, well, at least you've got your top two defensive prospects with Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. And then you have Tom McShay coming out last week saying that there are some character issues with, with Jalen Carter. And look, people dismiss that and people read too much into that. You know, the, there's probably the truth probably somewhere in the middle that there is some investigating to be done with Jalen Carter, even if he has done some charitable things at Georgia or even if his teammates are going to vouch for him. You know, these things don't really come out of nowhere. There, there will be something to this. It will not just be one team who wants to see him fall because guess what? You know, I don't think a team at number two is going to be influenced by anything that Todd McShay says in a mock draft that's done in December. They're going to do their own homework. They're going to have their own information. And it may be that more than one source has told Tom McShay that. So look, again, it's, it's kind of like, what do you do with this information here? What, what I do think, though, is the Seahawks kind of do need to be in the top three if you want to get them max out the most of this draft. One, because there's the trade down potential if teams want to get up for a quarterback. Two, you're guaranteed to at least have the top quarterback or one of Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. And I think as soon as you get out of that top three, it's really hard, unless you are in love with a quarterback who's going to be available at four or five, to sort of find the player who justifies going in that range. That's going to be really difficult. So, yeah, I think the Seahawks do need to be in that top three. And because of today's result between the Broncos and the Cardinals, it's vitally important that the that the Broncos lose next week against uh, against the LA Rams on Christmas Day. There won't be many people watching that game on Christmas Day, but I'm sure a lot of Seahawks fans will be just because of the ramifications of the draft. And then with Seattle's pick, because Seattle has obviously lost four out of five now, um, they have dropped. That they're, they're not in the playoffs anymore, obviously, at the moment. So their pick is, is getting higher and higher at the board. They're now at 15 overall, and that could improve even further because they're going to lose to the Chiefs I think it's safe to say that on Christmas Day. I know the Texans just played them close. I, I just can't see the Seahawks beating the Chiefs on Christmas Eve. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll, they'll sort of put up a fight against Mahomes and co. But, I just, you know, I don't think it's a stretch to say I can't see it. And that would put them at seven and eight. And then it depends on what the, the, the Browns do. They've picked up a little bit since uh, Deshaun Watson return. Pittsburgh are grinding out some wins. Um, I don't think Mike Tomlin's ever had a losing season, so there's a bit of motivation there with three games to go for them to ensure that that continues. They'd have to win out, though, to avoid that. Jacksonville winning games. They could even sneak into the playoffs still. Raiders just won again. So there's four teams in front of Seattle all with six wins, and the Seahawks have that seven win. And look, here's the thing. Seattle's strength of schedule is so weak. I mean, it's 0.457. Seattle's had easily one of the easiest schedules 
in the whole of the NFL, which puts the 7-7 record into a bit of context, to be fair. I know a lot of people have been saying, oh, we didn't expect this, we didn't expect to be 500 and all of that. Well, you know, if, if you're going to say that the strength of schedule is this week, then I don't think it's it, it's actually all that impressive. And when you actually think about it, who are the Seahawks wins come against? You know, their wins have come against Denver, who have been awful, Detroit, who were awful earlier in the season, like they were going to pick first overall again. You know, that win looks better now. But let's not forget that they played the Lions in early October when they were terrible and they were missing a couple of really key players. They beat the Cardinals twice, who were awful. They've beaten the Chargers, who kind of win one, lose one all season. They've beaten the Giants, who have crapped off a little bit. And they've beaten the LA Rams without any of their players, without Stafford, without Cup, and without Aaron Donald and a few others. So, really, it's not that impressive. They've lost to the Saints, who are awful. They've lost to the Falcons, who are awful. They've lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are pretty awful. They've lost to the Raiders at home, they are pretty awful. They've lost to the Carolina Panthers, who are pretty awful. I don't think we need to consider this season some massive major surprise anymore. They've kind of done the bare minimum. I think if they'd lost more than seven games so far, we'd actually be saying, well, that's not very good. And if they lose against the Chiefs, hey, who knows? They could be picking in the top 12 this time next week. We could be looking at a, uh, you know, a draft situation where they have a, a very high pick courtesy of the Broncos and they're picking in the top 12 because of the Seahawks uh, record. And yet they're, they've got two winnable games to finish the year against the Jets and, and the Rams and could still qualify for the playoffs. But you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that's the best thing, really. Um, and, and look, if they pick in the top 12 and in the top five, it will give them a really good chance to add a couple of important players, which is what this team needs. They need to add some talent. And then that brings me on to the thing that I was talking about in the article on Saturday. And then, look, I, I put an article out on Friday sort of explaining some of the things that, you know, some of the inconvenient truths that I think we need to be discussing about the defence and, and the running game. You know, Carroll's not been able to establish his vision for a number of years now. You know, the home record's absolutely dreadful. Um, I think it's 16 and 15 when they've had fans in the stadium since 2018. Obviously, that COVID hit season when there were no fans in Lumenfield, there were seven and one. When there's actually been fans in that stadium, 16 and 15 since 2018, it's awful. It's an awful record. Um, they've, they've set records for defensive uh, paucity. You know, they, they've, they've just, it just hasn't been good for a long time, you know, and, and I feel like, you know, people want to second guess history a little bit or rewrite history rather I should say um, since Russell Wilson went to Denver and has had a really bad first year in Denver but you know he carried the Seahawks for a number of years and Geno Smith's kind of just taken his place this year you know without Geno Smith having a surprising season what would the Seahawks be probably really really a really bad team so that's where they are and I wrote on Saturday an article because look you may have seen the tweets from from Benjamin Albright saying that um you know, he's, he seems to be hearing something in his league sources. And, and look, Benjamin Albright, you know, people have big opinions on him. Um, but he has, he is, he is somewhat connected. You know, he has got some sources in the NFL. And clearly there are people in the NFL who think there's a chance that Pete Carroll might call it a day at the end of the season. And he's been suggesting that Jonathan Gannon, who is the Eagles defensive coordinator, could be a hot candidate. For the Seahawks and having watched a bit of the Eagles Bears game today I won't be against that I think they had six sacks they've got a whole boatload of sacks the last few weeks yeah they've got a good defensive line which certainly helps but you know they're getting stuff out of that Hassan Reddick they just bring Hassan Reddick in and he's, he's getting sacks for them and that's the kind of thing 
you know, I think the Silks the Silks need a bit more of, you know, guys that you bring in to sort of complement. And I know Uchenna and Welsh has had a good game, but what's, what's Daryl Taylor's been inconsistent all year? You know, what Boya Mafe can't get on the field. They're, they're playing Bruce Irving all the time. He's not really doing anything. Um, they've never really tried Alton Robinson. They were preferring players like Ben Samayo over the past couple of years. So, you know, the... I, I'm 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 open to sort of this this suggestion that, that that Benjamin Albright is pitching out there, and I kind of ran through it a little bit. I do wonder whether Carroll will will think about calling it a day because how many years do you sort of go along? You know, I don't think he can be enjoying this, frankly. I mean, he, he will have been enjoying it when they're on the four game winning streak, and it was a great story, and people talking about coach of the year and Geno Smith being MVP and stuff like that. You know, that's that gets your juices flowing as a coach, and I'm sure that he was very excited there. But to come off the back of that and to lose four of five and the only win be a scraped win against the LA Rams backups, I mean, that I wonder how he's feeling right now. I mean, in 2017, he almost retired at the end of the year. You can take that to the bank because Jay Glazer reported it. Jay Glazer doesn't port, report crap. He said that Carroll nearly retired. Obviously, he decided not to. He carried on. He wanted to reset things. There was going to be a big reset after the 2017 season, and he carried on. And a year later, he signed a new contract because that 2018 season went quite well. The reset in the first year went quite well, inspired, of course, by Russell Wilson, by Frank Clark, by Bobby Wagner, who had a great year. And and he signed a new contract in, in December 2018. Um, but since then, you know, the trade of Frank Clark, the pass rush has been awful. The defense has been awful ever since then. Um, they've, they've never had a consistent running game. You know, Chris Carson had so it, show it in flashes, but they didn't have that really dominating run game that they had, you know, back in the glory days with Marshawn. And look, maybe you're never going to get back to that because Marshawn Lynch is a legend and should be in the Hall of Fame. But they never came close to to recreating that. You know, the Carroll identity, stop the run, run the ball, play good defense, complete the circle. They've... You know, 2018 is the closest they've come to that um, since the LOB years. And they certainly haven't come anywhere close to that over the last few years. They're not close to it now. The defence is as bad as it's ever been. And and the running game's not great. And, and I do wonder, you know, how many, how many goes around does Carroll want to have at this? You know, how many times are they going to sort of just pump resource into the defence? Because they've done that with this group. That's the thing that people forget, that this group's actually had a lot of resource put into it. The picks on, you know, your Jordan Brooks's two first rounds and a third on Jamal Adams. You know, loads of money thrown at people like Quandre Diggs. You know, second round on Taylor, second round on Maffe. You know, Puna Ford's got the biggest cap hit on the team, you know, third rounder on Cody Barton, Quandre Diggs, have I mentioned him already? You know, they, you see what I mean? They've already spent quite a lot on this defensive unit and it's no good. So just constantly throwing more picks at it. And I'm not excited by it. You know, I don't think the scheme's right. I think the scheme has been, been awful. You know, the players keep making mistakes every week. It's too easy to run on the Seahawks. It just seems a bit of a mess. Uh, the running game, as soon as they get a few injuries, that's it. You know, Kyle Shanahan loses a quarterback, just plugs the next one in, and the, the offense just keeps going. As soon as, the, you know, the Seahawks need a star at running back, otherwise that's it. You know, they can't just plug guys in and run the ball. You know, it, it, it's on live support. As soon as you, your main man is gone, you just can't run. And and that's, you know, I, I don't think that's that's a, reflects greatly on, on Pete Carroll. And I'm just ready to see something else. And I know that there comes a risk of sort of moving on from a legendary coach who's done so much. But, you know, I'm just ready to see some new ideas, some fresh ideas and, and accept the risk that it might be worse, that it might not work out, that you might appoint a dud. 
that does tend to happen sometimes, but I'm, I'm not going to embrace that. I don't think a, a coach should stay. At th- I mean, if you said that Carroll was to retire, for example, at the end of the year, a new coach come in, I wouldn't expect that new coach to stick around for 13 years, even if he was a raging success. You know, the Belichicks and the Carrolls and, and Mike Tomlins, they're not, they shouldn't be considered sort of the norm for me. You know, I'm quite, I think coaches do have a shelf life. I think sort of eight to 10 years if they're very successful. And then you kind of move on and, and you go in a different direction as a coach and as a team. And, and I'd like to sort of see that be more of a common thing. And I think it is more common. We're seeing coaches get burned out a little bit quicker. Look at Sean McVay deciding that, you know, he was almost going to retire after winning the Super Bowl and that maybe he needs a break and maybe he'll take that break at the end of the season. Who knows what's going to happen with him? I think coaches do get burned out a little bit more. And I think there does have to be a bit more of a churn. You know, the, the ideas and the, the league shifts and changes with different wrinkles all the time. And, and I think you do have to be willing to do that. And I'm, I'd embrace that, frankly. And that's no disrespect to Carroll. I love what he did in Seattle, but I do think it's gone a bit stale. And, you know, this year, as I've already talked about, isn't the big surprise that I think a lot of people think it is. I think they've just had a crap strength of schedule, uh, which has made it easier to win some games. They've, they've beaten a bunch of teams that aren't very good. And um, they've also lost to some teams that aren't very good. And they've lost to all of the games, apart from perhaps the Chargers, that you'd expect them to lose. So, I, you know, I just I just think it'd be a good opportunity for a new coach to come in, new ideas, new vision, especially a new defensive scheme, if that works well. Have a boatload of picks, including potentially two, you know, picks in the top 12. Broncos pick, even if they win another game, it, it seems it's going to be still, you know, top five. And, and then what a great opportunity for that new coach to come in and, and maybe even build a new defense and sort of that be the sort of the, the way that you move forward. And look, you know, Benjamin Albright speculating on that. I had a tweet exchange with Joe Fan. You know, he was sort of just tossing it out there. Is it, Could Carol just call it a day? You know, I, I'll, be, I'll admit I've, I've, heard, I've heard those whispers myself. You know, I'm not reporting anything here. I am not a reporter and you can take it with a pinch of salt if you want. But, you know, I, I'm hearing sort of similar things. Doesn't mean that it's going to happen. Just means that right now, as was the case in 2017, maybe it's being considered that, that there could be a change in, in at the end of the season. We'll see. And, and you know, if you were to say to me, what would I, you know, if, if I here's five crisp pound note, go and put it on on whether Carroll comes back or not. I'd probably put it on him coming back because he's, you know, this is Pete Carroll. And when he's been in this situation before, as he was five years ago, he came back. And I, I suspect he probably will again. But I just think it's perhaps more likely we could see a change. And he's got nothing left to prove. You know, I don't think you can just keep hanging on forever and ever and ever on the off chance that you'll have that fairy tale finish. You know, one team wins a Super Bowl every year. The Seahawks are not close to winning a Super Bowl right now. Even if they have another great draft, they're probably not going to be close to the Bills, the Chiefs, the Eagles, you know, the Cowboys, the Niners, you know, teams like that in terms of contention. You know, you can turn things around quite quickly, but even with the Bengals going from a terrible team to a team that, you know, made a Super Bowl, it, it took them sort of drafting Joe Burrow, a great quarterback, then getting his receiver from college, who was a great receiver, hitting on a few free agents and and building a team that was capable of going on a bit of a run. You know, the it, it's not easy to emulate that. And there's no Joe Burrow in this draft and the Silks aren't going to have the number one overall pick and then have the number five overall pick a year later to draft someone like Jamar Chase. So at least I don't think so. So, you know, it's not easy to do that. So, you know, how much longer does Carroll want to do this for? He's 72 next year. His contract's only till 2025. Does he think by 2025 they could be in position to win a Super Bowl? Maybe. I'm not sure about that. And and look, I don't think it's it's necessarily that healthy for the franchise to sort of be 
hoping that they can send Carroll off into the sunset with the championship win. And, and I think there is something to be said for walking when you are respected and loved. And if Carroll did walk away at the end of the season, that's exactly what he would be. They could build a statue for him for all I care. I think he's, you know, he deserves that. I think he does deserve to go into the Hall of Fame for what he did with the LOB and, and winning that title and, you know, introducing Russell Wilson and so the idea of shorter, more mobile quarterbacks who are very creative. You know, I think Cal does deserve to go into the Hall of Fame, won a Super Bowl. I think he could he could end up there. So and I think he deserves that. You know, a legendary coach. But you know, why not go out on top? Why not go out on a on a relative high? rather than waiting to be pushed. And and if the Seahawks just keep having crap defence every year and no running game, they can't make his vision come true. And if, if Geno Smith turns back into a pumpkin within the next year or two, where are they going to be? You know, people are going to be hounding him out and saying it's time for a change instead and it's it's all a lot more bitter. So I think there's a you know at least a possibility that some people are not even considering at the minute that he could move on. And look, there'll be people out there watching this who will go, it's never going to happen, Robbie, talking out of your ass. But um, people were saying the same thing about Russell Wilson being traded. And, and then that happens. So, like I said, I'm, it's not that I necessarily think it is going to happen. I'm just saying that there's there's a whisper or two out there that it might. And just keep you keep your an open mind to that. Um, and if it is Jonathan Gannon, as, as Benjamin Albright was suggesting he might be a top target. I suspect he'd be a top target for a few teams. The people are going to look at the Eagles staff, given what they've done um, over the last couple of years in, in turning that team around to a 13 and one franchise. Then, um, then yeah, I think that would be um, it, it's an idea that I can get behind, but it's not the only one. It's quite a few of them out there. So there we go. Just a few thoughts uh, in lieu of the fact that there's no game and no instant reaction stream and the fact that I didn't, didn't do a live stream the other night. Uh, I, did, I just did a, a quick breakdown from uh, from Finland as to what happened with the Niners. Um, Going to have a stream this week with Jeff Simmons. That is coming on Wednesday, so keep an eye out for that. Very much looking forward to catching up with Jeff and talking about uh, how things have changed, perhaps, since uh, we last had a conversation. So join us for that coming up on Wednesday. SeahawksDraftBlog.com for more analysis, and I may well do another mock draft this week because I've got a bit of time. So keep an eye out for that if I do, in fact, do one before Christmas. Have a great time over Christmas. Enjoy yourselves. Um, try and get through that game on Christmas Eve because it might be a bit of a chore against the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll see you on Wednesday. Subscribe to the channel, like the video. Let me know what you think in the comment section. Bye for now. 